Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. So one of the, the, the privileges I get at this church family um, is that I'm part of the co-leadership team. And one of the things that we've said we want to see happen, one of, the, one of our foci for this year, or our three foci for this year, or focuses um, for this year, we want to... Um, prioritize prayer we want to make spaces for people to be with Jesus and we want to impact our communities we want to make a positive impact in our communities and that third one especially that doesn't just happen by how we organize ourselves as a church it doesn't just happen when vine life the organization goes and does something it happens partly when all of us leave this room And we go into the communities where we live, where we work, where we volunteer, where we play sports with our friends. What happens when we leave this room as a collection of individuals being scattered out into across the city, across Greater Manchester? That's just as significant for the kingdom as what happens when we're together in this room. And so we don't want to just restrict the idea that we can only make an impact on our communities when it's got the church badge on it or it's got the organization of someone who um, has an at vinelife.co.uk email address um, behind it. Like we make an impact on our communities when we show up in the places that we go. And the other stuff is really important. What happens in this room is really important. What happens when we gather together and make an impact together as a community in an organized way, that's really important too. But over this next six weeks, we're going to be thinking about what happens when, actually, yeah, we leave this room. What happens in our life, Monday to Saturday, when we're all out there in the world? And the thing about... um, Our life is, most of it does happen outside of a Sunday. We're gathered here in this room, but we're scattered the rest of the week. And so we're going to be thinking really practically about how we don't think of those two things as two separate spaces. There's not, there's this little bit of my life that is sacred, and there's another bit of my life that's secular. There's a bit of my life where Jesus impacts, and I just have this great time with a bunch of Christians, and then the rest of my life is separate, and and never the two shall meet. We want to remove that divide in our thinking. We're going to be talking a lot about work, because for a lot of us in the room, it's where we spend a lot of our time. But we're also thinking about wherever else We show up outside of a Sunday, whether that's university, whether that's school, whether that's um, maybe our primary place that we show up is at home. But all of those things we're going to talk about. And today, I want to share with us that the first step in living as salt and light is to realize that we don't have to put on a set of behaviors It's not about acting up. It's about becoming more truly who we're created to be. It's about more truly becoming who we actually are. 
Maybe let's start with some words of Jesus. So in the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus' first public recorded kind of preaching in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. He's just done the Beatitudes, which you'll probably recognize. But then he stands up and he says this, believers are salt and light. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on the hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And the important thing to remember in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking to these people, he's addressing the community of people who follow him. He's talking to you guys, basically. He's talking to you. So if you are someone that's chosen to follow Jesus, then what Jesus says here is a message for you. He's talking about who you are and how you're invited to live. So like I said, 21 years ago, my parents had dropped me off. I'd unpack my stuff, and the f- my, f- my first act, my, this incredibly bold act that I did to be salt and light with my housemates was the first CD that I played on my CD. You got, some of you won't know what I'm talking about, but a CD player, these round, shiny things. Um, my CD, I played um, my new Matt Redman album that I just bought at Soul Survivor a few weeks previously, Where Angels Fear to Tread. It was in his Nashville phase, um, so it sounded super tight um i was like yeah come on i'm i'm gonna be like like i said suffering a bit from from uh, an inflated sense of myself but i was like i am just gonna be salt and light to these housemates i i'm gonna play matt redmond in my room and no one actually knocked on the door for the duration of the 54 minutes or however long that album lasts but i felt like i'd made a stand anyway um But the first thing that Jesus says is, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He speaks to our identity. He doesn't say, try to behave in a salty way, which actually has a bit of a negative connotation, doesn't it? Um, If my, yeah, thanks, Dan. Like, if my daughter's getting salty with me, I'm not impressed. But try, try to behave in a salty way. That's not what he says. He says, you are salt. He doesn't say, if you can, just try and spread a little bit of light around. That'd be really nice. He says, you are the light of the world. We are salt. We are light. Because right back at the beginning of the story, in the first book of the Bible, when one of the writers of Genesis has given us this beautiful seven-day creation narrative, he gets to the point where God makes humankind And he makes humankind, you and I, to be like God. Genesis 1, 27 says, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. We're created in the image of God. And part of being a Christian is being on a journey of restoration of that image through the work of Jesus. This Jesus that we've been singing about, this Jesus that was God but chose to put on human flesh, who was arrested and executed by the government of his day, 
put to death on a cross and through his death, all the sin and brokenness is dealt with and can be washed away so that we can be restored to knowing God and living like he's always intended us to live. Um, N.T. Wright talks about the original human vocation, the thing that humans were created to do is to be like a, this angled mirror he talks about. He says, we're like, in one sense, we're there to reflect God's image to the earth. So we're like, it's like we're holding this mirror. All of the glory of God is shining onto us and we're reflecting that out into creation. And he says, the other part of our vocation is to take all of the worship of all of creation and reflect that back up to God. It's like we're holding this mirror. I love that picture. But I think it goes deeper than us just reflecting something. I think it's actually deeper than that. I think it's actually who we are. And interestingly, time and time again, through the Old and the New Testament, God is referred to as light. You know, the psalmist says, he's my light and my salvation. And then Jesus himself, twice, he calls himself the light of the world. Interestingly, first time is just after he's declared forgiveness over this woman who's caught in adultery. And then the next bit of stuff he says, he says, I'm the light of the world. And then the next time he says that, he's just healed a man from blindness. Then he says, I'm the light of the world. Really interesting, though, those are the two stories straight after which he claims. And we're made in his image, in his likeness. It's part of who we are. Not just a set of behaviors to put on, but an identity to walk in. I really love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, sort of paraphrase of Jesus' words. In Matthew 5, he says, Let me tell you who, why you are here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. So we're here to make the world taste and look like God. And that's a really high calling. That's a massive responsibility if we just try and put that on our shoulders and try and live up to it. But here's the thing, it's what we were made for and we get to live into it as opposed to trying to put on clothes that don't fit us. And salt and light, well, Jesus gives us some brilliant metaphors. So why, why salt? Why light? Well, I think firstly, the genius of, of a lot of what Jesus said is, was it was really simple and it was obvious to the people who were listening to him. Simple, relatable, but very deep, lots to unpack images. Salt, for a start, it's really valuable. You are valuable. You know, for as long as human beings have been exchanging one sort of goods for another, as long as, long as they've been trading, they've been trading salt. Um, in fact, the very word for salary um, is derived from a Latin word that meant salt money. Um, uh, you know, um, there's a, there's a, False story out there that Roman soldiers at one time were paid in salt. They never were. But, that's, but you know, the fact that people who think they're credible historians will go around saying that. Um, 
means that salt was really important, really valuable in the ancient world. And salt, one of the reasons it was so valuable is that salt preserves. You know, before we had um, fridges and freezers, one of the ways that you keep your food, especially meat fresh, was to salt it because it um, drew out the moisture and kept it from going off. And food lasted longer when it was salted. It preserved the, the, um, what it was put onto. And on the subject of food, um, salt makes everything taste better, right? And salt is one of the five basic tastes that we can taste with our tongue. Um, but it doesn't just taste of something. It enhances, it brings out other flavors. Um, you know, at the molecular level, salt can unravel protein um, kind of spiral structure and it can actually like unlock other flavors. Like it's all happening um, when you season your food. It doesn't just make it taste better. Um, and there's, you know, there's a reason why when you watch um, professional chefs at work, they put a, an absolutely unholy amount of salt on the food that they're preparing because it makes it taste amazing. Between all the salt and all the butter that they use in professional kitchens, going out for dinner tastes great. Um, but salt doesn't just taste great, it makes everything else taste better. And what about light? Again, such an obvious metaphor. But the biggest one that strikes me is that light eliminates darkness. It drives out the darkness. And the kind of light that we're called to bring. Think of John 1, when John's telling this poem about this, this Jesus coming into the world. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness hasn't overcome it. That's the kind of light we're called to bring, a light that isn't overcome by darkness. Because you and I, we need light to function. We need light to find our way around the world. And our bodies, it's not just our eyes that need light, our bodies need light. You know, um, you're, you're designed to require some sunlight every now and again. Our bodies need to get sunlight on our skin to produce vitamin D. And it has to be real sunlight. You can't fake it with electric light. You have to get out into the sunshine. For your body, for your, all of your body to function well, you need that vitamin D. So salt and light, they're really important. They're really basic. It's really obvious metaphors as to why Jesus sends us out into the world to be salt and light. But he does tell us that somehow it's possible to lose our saltiness and to hide our light. You know, he says, if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything than to be thrown out and trampled under, under people's feet. Somehow it's possible to live in a way that is inconsistent with our identity, with who we're called to be. You know, when we move away from the righteousness and justice that we're called to, we lose our flavor. You know, and I think the kind of life that Jesus calls us to live is the one that he then goes on to set out in the Sermon on the Mount. A life that's marked out by humility, by non-retaliation, by self-sacrificial and self-giving love. You know, it's a prayerful life. A life that trusts in God's provision that treats others with the same respect that we treat ourselves. 
and a life that seeks first his kingdom. I think those are some of the God flavors. Those are some of the God colors that we're called to bring into the world. You know, and, and time and time again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to take just as much care, in fact, even more care about what's happening on the inside of us, in our internal world, as he does talk about our actual behavior on the outside. It's a call to be consistent through and through because it's a call to live true to who we actually are. You know, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, he goes on to say, but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And it's possible to try and cover up our light, isn't it? To hide our light, to keep the Christian, Jesus-loving bit of ourselves to maybe just to a Sunday morning, a few times a month, and maybe to a small group if, you know, that floats our boat. But really, you know, I'm a Christian over here, but do you know what? The rest of my life doesn't have to look that different to anyone else, right? And it's, it's also one thing to talk about being a Christian. It's, another, it's one thing to, to talk about going to church. But Jesus says, let them see your good works. It's not just about sort of, oh yes, actually I, I do go to church. Oh yes, actually I'm a Christian. And kind of, kind of the conversation ends there. It's about letting our life make a difference. It's about not just acknowledging confessing, admitting, if we have to, that we're Christians. But it's the actual good works, the good stuff in our lives, the way we make a difference that people will see, that people will be drawn to, that people will realize there's something different about us. And for me, um, at university, it was the questions of like, John, why, why do you get up early on a Sunday morning and go to church? And I could leave it at that, right? I could have just said, well, I'm a Christian, so, you know, got to go to church because that's what Christians do. But it's an opportunity to talk about what's important to me. It's an opportunity to talk about what I value in my life. And, and similarly, it was like, John, why, why doesn't your girlfriend stay over when, um, you know, like, what, why are you not like everyone else? Um, there's an opportunity to, for your life to actually be different, not just say that you're a Christian. It's the good works that people are going to see and then give glory to God. Because at the end of the day, it's about God getting the worship that he deserves, not just from us in this room on a Sunday morning, but that other people might see who he really is, the difference he can make in your life, the transformation he can bring. It's all worship that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You know, Paul in the book of Romans in chapter 12 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as, li as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. He's talking about us offering all of our life 
in service of God. All of our life, not just our song that's super important, but all of the rest of our life as worship to God. Because when we live true to the identity that God puts in us, that's when he gets glory. The glory that he deserves. When, we, when he sees us living in the fullness of who we're created to be, he gets excited. He loves it. And when other people turn around and say, I want that life that you have. I want that Jesus that you have. That's when he gets the glory he deserves. Yes, the, the moments of worship are important. The moments of giving our devotion, our attention, our, our affection to Jesus. They're hugely significant. We're not going to stop doing those. But all of our life is worship. But just because something is your identity doesn't mean you know how to do it perfectly. You know, human beings, when we're born, I heard someone describe it as like, we've got all the hardware, but we have no operating system. Like, we've got arms and legs and lungs and a brain, but we don't know how to use them. You know, we've got a couple of our tiny friends in the corner over there. And... um. Like these, these beautiful little babies, they're, they've, got, they've got all this stuff, but they don't know how to use them. They don't know how to talk yet, right? We, and we've, there's this journey that we all go on um, from, from being tiny to becoming an adult. And we, we learn what it is to be a human. And those guys, they're no less human just because they don't know how to do it all yet. Still who they are, they've just got to grow up at the right time into the fullness of who they really are. So we have to grow in our identity. We have to learn to walk in a way, have to learn to live in a way that's consistent with who we are. So I think the first step in growing in our identity is admitting, hey, we don't know all this. We have to learn to live consistently with who we are. I um. I also think that um, another there's, in fact there's going to be three points up here um, that we're going to talk about. So the first one is learning to live, acknowledging that we have to learn to live in a way that's consistent. I think number two is staying accountable to others, and number three is returning to the source, which is Jesus. Um, but a little story about me again. I, I was new to university, and um. I had decided for some, I don't really know why I decided this. I decided that when I came to university, I wasn't going to drink alcohol for my first term of uni. And I don't really know why I decided it because, like, alcohol had never really been, a, like, a, a thing for me. I just thought, maybe that's, like, a cool way to be a Christian, right? I just, you know, that's the way I can be different in the world. I can just do this thing. Like, I can tick that box, not going to drink for the first term at uni, and um, like my record wasn't entirely unblemished at that point, but mostly growing up, that was just a case of like I didn't didn't know my limits, and I, you know, but alcohol wasn't really a, a big thing in my life. However, so I, I I told my told my youth leader before coming to university, yeah, I think yeah, like we're probably not going to like 
you know, drink for the first term because, you know, I'd be a really good witness. And uh, obviously because, you know, people will just be flocking to me, asking me why I'm a Christian and all of that. Um, young man disease in full effect. And I, um, I uh, you know, met my housemates on that first, I think it was a Saturday we moved in. Um, and so we decided to go to the pub. We got to the bar and I, I couldn't quite bring myself to not order a pint of real ale. Um, later on that term, I joined uh, the student uh, campaign for Real Ale Society as well. Um, again, young man's disorder that I was struggling with. But f for whatever reason, I decided to do this thing that wasn't actually something that God was asking me to do. And it is for other people, right? It's actually, in that first year at uni, I met Em. Um, she wasn't interested in me for quite a long time. Again, young man disorder in full effect. And... Um, but one of the conversations we had early on, she was like, oh, yeah, I don't drink because I feel like the Lord's really asked me to. Um, and she actually, like, stayed consistent to that. Like, because it was something that actually she'd had a conversation with Jesus about and was important to her. I just decided to do it because, like, I thought I was cool. And um, But the problem for me was I hadn't told anybody that that's what I was going to do. I told my youth leader, but they were back in Peterborough. Um, and they weren't anywhere in my life. And so when... I did decide, actually, I'm probably not going to do this anymore. There was, like, no one that I had to stay accountable to. Like, no one else knew that that's a decision that I'd made. And whenever we are going to make changes in our life, whenever we're going to go and say, I've walked with this behavior, but I don't think that's consistent with who I am, I want to walk this way instead, we need to tell someone. We need to have someone cheering us on, praying with us, praying for us, saying every now and again, hey, John, you said you weren't going to do that. How's it going? Because I'd chosen to live without accountability. Didn't really matter. Um, and uh, like I said, ends up joining the campaign for Real Ale for a little while and eventually working out how to cancel a direct debit a few months later. Um, so I wasn't accountable. I've realized that if I want to see change in my life, I need to be accountable. I need to open up. I need to tell people what I'm struggling with. I say, can you hold me to be consistent with who I am? Because accountability isn't just about someone telling you off and slapping you on the wrist when you've done something wrong. It's saying, you are incredible. You can live in a better way. God's got more for you than just scraping along. You can do this. to open up, talk to other people, join a small group if you don't know where to start. Find some people in that small group that you can talk to about, hey, do you know what? This is in my life and it's not consistent with who I am and I want to stop. And they'll walk with you, they'll pray for you, they'll ask you how it's going. And do that for someone else as well. And then return into the source. Again, I love what we do in this room on a Sunday. I love that we got to sing to Jesus together. I love that we got to welcome his presence. And we were led so well by Ruth, by Joel, by Amy. So good to have these guys with us for the first time this morning leading. And um, I love that. But it's not enough. At least it's not enough for me. I don't know about you. Just saying hello to Jesus once a week doesn't cut it. We need his presence in our life day by day by day. We need to live in daily communion and connection with Jesus. It's boring because we say it all the time, 
but we say it all the time because it's really important. Get with Jesus every day. Return to the source of your identity. Drink from the living well of water that Jesus offers you. Allow his light to shine on your heart and show you how you can better shine his light into the world around you. So remember, as we walk through this series together, we're going to talk about some really practical things. We're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about what it means to show up at work. All of those feel like really practical things, but it's because we're walking out this identity, this truth of who we are, of who we're created to be, that we're called to be salt, bringing out the God flavors in the world, that we're called to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. As you walk it out, just remember it's about who we are, it's about staying accountable to one another, and it's about returning to the source, returning day by day by day to Jesus, to allow him to remind us who we are and to strengthen us for the day ahead. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk or follow us on Instagram. God bless and see you soon.